welcome to Break Bias. I'm your host, Brad Kramer. It's the inaugural episode of the podcast, therefore it is the Max Verstappen episode of Break Bias. The reigning world champion is sporting number one on his car, something we have not seen since Sebastian Vettel almost 10 years ago. Bahrain is coming up. It's just around the corner. I can't believe it. Formula One in 2022. New regulations. A clean slate for all the teams. I cannot wait for a lights out and away we go. After 2021, I don't think we can expect a season like that again. But it's got everyone so excited for this season to start. And it's literally coming this weekend. Uh, we've had a couple teasers with uh, testing in Bahrain and Barcelona a few weeks ago. And I want to talk about that before I get into um, some of my predictions for the season and for the Bahrain Grand Prix. So, uh, who is the star of testing? It's, uh, it's, it's hard to come up with. I think Red Bull looked really good. Uh, and Ferrari is obviously an absolute hype train right now. Ferrari uh, put in the most laps around... Bahrain and Barcelona combined with 788 laps, impressive reliability all across the grid, but especially from Ferrari, it didn't even look like they had a single misstep the entire time in in testing. You know, I think the question right now is, will they be challenging for a title? Obviously, another big question is, is Mercedes still in that fight? A lot of people seem to believe that they are sandbagging, you know, the, the silver sandbaggers, as some people call them. Uh, so Mercedes put in the second most laps out of anyone and were probably the story of testing on day one in Bahrain with an extreme side pod design that is wildly different from that of the Ferraris. There's a picture of them right next to each other. The Ferrari is about two times as wide as the Mercedes. The Mercedes is so thin, yet they look like they were struggling quite heavily in Bahrain. They were quick through some of the corners, but on the straights, still struggling heavily with porpoising. Porpoising is a term that I had not heard until this year in testing, uh, but we're seeing cars, as soon as they hit a certain speed on the, on the straight, they seem to have this bouncing phenomenon that looks so painful for the drivers. It looks like they're chattering their teeth as they're driving down a straight line. And Mercedes seems to be struggling one of the hardest out of any of these teams. And I feel like it might actually be hindering their performance. I don't think they're sandbagging like some people seem to suggest. Either way, I don't think Mercedes will be too far. And there's a whole lot of season to be able to develop the car. So I, I don't think they're far off. But I would say for the Bahrain Grand Prix, I, I don't have them as favorites. Now, as for the favorites, I have Red Bull. Red Bull looked mighty. Max Verstappen, the reigning champion, as I already mentioned, went quickest out of all uh, out of all the times in Bahrain. Obviously, you can't compare Bahrain to Barcelona, two different tracks. He went at a 131.7, a good four or five tenths quicker than the next car. And after their upgrade that they brought to the car on day three, Red Bull look to be the favorites absolutely in Bahrain to me. I think Ferrari is maybe a little bit overhyped right now, but I think they will be there. Ferrari will be in the top three, and I feel very, very confident about that. Now, as for a team that I think a lot of people were hoping would join the top three or would join that title fight is McLaren. And after a very strong testing in Barcelona where Mercedes driver George Russell called out Ferrari and McLaren to be looking very quick. 
I don't want to say McLaren dropped the ball, but they had a lot of things go wrong. Firstly, one of their drivers, Daniel Ricciardo, a star of Drive to Survive, something that we will be talking about later, uh, he couldn't do any testing this week due to COVID, but they have announced that at least he will be returning for the Bahrain Grand Prix. The team also seemed to take a step back from Barcelona as they dealt with brake issues. They only ended up with the eighth most laps in total, which is shocking. At one point, it seemed like there was at least three, four teams that weren't anywhere close to McLaren in total laps. That's how few McLaren were able to do in Bahrain. Uh, But, you know, they still ended up with more laps than Haas. Haas had the fewest laps of any team with only 413 total laps. However, you know, I actually feel like Haas had a pretty solid testing considering they lost their title sponsor uh, and one of their drivers in Hiralkali and Nikita Mazepin. That is one hell of a thing to be worrying about while you're just trying to work out the kinks and the performance of the car and you have all this business stuff going on in the background. Obviously, The war in Ukraine is awful, and I think Haas did absolutely the right thing to release Nikita Maspin and lose that whole Russian-themed car that they had. Uh, I think that was absolutely the right call. And then they had a freight delay on the move from Barcelona to Bahrain. They had problems getting their stuff there, so that helped. That, That cost them valuable time on the track that they were able to get some back. They got an extra hour on the track uh, where other teams didn't have that liberty. Um, and then they also had to bring back Kevin Magnuson on short notice, who got right back into the car and set one of the quickest times out of anyone. Sure, it was likely a glory run, is what they call it. But, you know, they got him, had to get him situated back with the team, and they still set some solid times. Now, let's get into some of my predictions. So, in Bahrain, I I really believe Max Verstappen will be on pole and win the first race. I Initially, I really thought uh, Red Bull spent too much energy on 2021. They were still upgrading that car to try and give Max Verstappen a chance at winning the title, which, I mean, they did do. But I thought that it would cost them a little bit in 22. They would come out flat. They would definitely develop the car. Adrian Newey, one of their main engineers mechanics is a genius and i really thought they would catch up but it looks like they smashed it right up right off the bat here and i i just really believe max verstappen even though i am a mercedes fan i believe max verstappen is the best driver in formula one right now lewis hamilton a close second um but i just really believe max Verstappen's going to have the best car and he's the best driver. There's no reason why he will not be winning the first race. Of course, any, anything can happen in Formula 1. But I strongly believe that Max will be winning race 1. Rounding out the podium, I got Charles Leclerc in P2. And Sergio Perez, Max's teammate, in P3. Uh, then I have Lewis, followed by Sainz. Then Gasly, George Russell, Lando Norris, Yuki Tsunoda, and Daniel Ricciardo in P10. So that is... What I think for Bahrain, uh, I I wouldn't be surprised if Haas scored a point there too. I, I'm actually really high on Haas, which I will get into in a moment. I'm not going to run through the whole 20 drivers for my season predictions. Instead, I'll make note of some of my most notable predictions. Uh, I have Max Verstappen repeating as champion. I believe Lewis and Mercedes 
will not be in it as much as they were last year, but I do believe they'll make a late charge and edge Ferrari for second in the constructors. I got Red Bull also winning the constructors. Uh, Lewis will be finish P2 in the driver's championship, but a little bit further off of Max. I have Charles in P3, Sergio in P4, George P5, and Sainz P6. And like I said, I am also pretty high on Haas. I believe they will finish eighth or higher in 2022. Um, and I think at least four teams will win a race on merit. I think the top three teams definitely, definitely will win a race, that being Mercedes, Ferrari, and Red Bull. And who that fourth team is going to be, I'm not sure. It probably will be McLaren. But, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if we see Haas rapid at one of these first tracks. I wouldn't be surprised if it was Alpine and even Alfa Romeo. Sure, they dealt with reliability issues, but they were quick. Uh, I think every team will score at least five points, including Williams, who I think will finish last. I see them finish. I see them scoring at least five points and half the grid will score a podium. With these new regs, I really do believe that it just opens the door for all teams to fight on a little bit more of an even play, even playing field. Definitely some teams can drop the ball and just completely miss, and they could be awful. You know, it opens up the opportunity for that too. But I really do believe after testing, I don't think any team stood out as horrible. I, I really don't think that. So I think that Williams will be finishing last, but probably score 5 to 10 points on the season, which is exciting. I think it's going to make the midfield a lot more interesting. And for the last part of uh, this podcast, I want to get into some Drive to Survive. Of course, it just came out. Many of you may have finished already, or maybe you're still working through the season, or maybe you haven't seen it. And I really highly suggest that you start from the beginning if you have never watched Drive to Survive. It's it's pretty awesome. Um, but I'm going to be bringing on a friend of mine to talk some Drive to Survive. Uh, his name is Andrew Shackleton. And you know what? Let's go to him right now. All right, I'm now with a good friend of mine, Andrew Shackleton. He's uh, a big Red Bull racing fan, and it's uh, one of the many reasons I've actually become a Formula One fan. Uh, how you doing, man? Good, Brad. How are you? Excited I'm good, dude. Today. Yeah, thanks for uh, thanks for coming on. Uh, so we're here to yeah we're here to talk about some Drive to Survive. Of course, I've heard that you've watched the whole thing. And I was just kind of wondering what you thought of the season. Did you like it? I know beforehand you told me that you kind of heard some bad things about it. So do you still think it wasn't great or what's your take? Yeah, I mean, I'm a huge fan of Drive Just Five. It's the it's the reason uh, it got me into Formula One. I started watching on Netflix and instantly fell in love with it. Super funny, entertainment, a lot of drama. And with that, it just like just hooked me into watching formula one. So huge fan of the, the series. Um, the past two years I've been watching the full formula one season. So, um, it's been really interesting watching each episode. Cause you, you actually know what happened and what the show is manipulating to be different. Um, really like last year, this year, I was really excited. I couldn't wait for it to come out with such an epic season that we had. Um, Overall, I thought it was pretty good. Um, I mean, a little disappointed. I thought just with the whole Max and Lewis um, saga, it could have been a season on itself. But it, it was still interesting to see those lower 
market teams like Haas and Williams and um, AlphaTauri and all those other ones just to see the behind the scenes and get the the humor from Gunther and yeah it was good I thought overall it was a good, good season yeah. Yeah. And with a season like that, like you knew going in, there was going to be some stuff left out. Like it was just, it was a guarantee. And you mentioned how funny it is. And I find usually the humor, like a lot of it comes from uh, Ricardo, even Horner sometimes can be funny. But I think yeah. the funniest guy this year was Yuki Sonoda. That guy was hilarious. <laughs> Crazy personality. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I actually, I, I like that episode. Sonoda is, is wild. Um, yeah, uh, I was a little bit disappointed too, I think, a little bit, just because you had such high expectations off a season like that, and you wanted them to touch on all the best moments, and they didn't, obviously. Uh, I think uh, uh, some big ones that they left out, uh, Kimi Raikkonen wasn't even mentioned. It was his last season, last race, a legend like him, not even mentioned. A little weird. Uh, Aston Martin didn't even like exist in the whole thing, like, Vettel's podium just a completely uh just afterthought and also in the hungry race uh the Hamilton Alonso battle like I feel like they could have used like an, uh, an interview with Alonso like to go along with Ocon's win because that was kind of the main reason Ocon won the race I found so I was a little disappointed that wasn't in it either but it was still entertaining for sure do you think the, any parts were left out like what parts did you like yeah 100 percent um I mean when you actually look at it, I think the, the show is a lot of politics and um, like, for example, Max Verstappen said he was not going to participate in this year, which uh, bummed me out. But at the same time, he just doesn't want to be involved with that. So he was still in it a little bit, um, but they're definitely going to focus on more of those teams and drivers that uh, want to be involved in the show. Uh, like Kimmy guy with very little words hard, hard guy to, to interview and sit down with. I know he's been in past seasons, but yeah, yeah. they, they added yeah. a lot. Of, <laughs> yeah. They added a lot of scenes, um, and created drama, which I don't necessarily like. It's still entertaining. Um, but they created a lot of drama and different scenes, um, where they could have just kept the season as it was because of how much drama and entertainment and excitement there was. Um, but yeah, I mean, yeah, and you bring you bring up a good point there. Like we were kind of chatting before uh, before this, that in one of the very first episodes, they were showing a little battle between the McLarens in the very first race. Mm -hmm. um, and it looked like Lando and Ricardo kind of had like almost a bit of a rivalry. And then they used like a little radio message uh, saying that Lando or Lando said that Daniel like pushed him off the track and Lando literally came out in the press afterwards and said, uh, yeah, that was from a different race. There was nothing there. It made us, it made it look like we were really close on track and we weren't. So they definitely like manipulate, uh, all the footage that they have and make it try to fit their narrative. And I don't know, I don't think it's, I don't think it's that great. And like you said, that, I think that's why Max probably said, you know what, I'm out. Yeah, no, hundred percent. Good point. It's, uh, it's unnecessary um to to your point i think there's another time i, I believe is imola where there is a, a sprint race and on in the show they said that max won the sprint 
Uh, oh, in Monza, in Monza, yeah, Monza, I I noticed that too. I was like, did Valtteri win that? And they're like, Max yeah. wins the sprint race. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, Bottas won that, and they t- they said that Max did. So I mean, just just stuff like that to create more drama, create more excitement, to to further um, explain their. Um, I side feel of like the what they want to do. Yeah, I feel like with that one specifically, it was because they didn't want to have to explain that Bottas took an engine penalty because that's right. why he didn't start at the front. So they're just like, ah, oh, Max won the sprint. But like real F1 fans are going to remember like, no, he didn't. Like, I don't know. It's like, I don't get how they can expect that we're just going to like forget about that. It's not going to yeah, slide. 100%. And for, and for new, and the, the point of the show is to bring new fans into the sport. And, you know, I watched the first two seasons and, I had no clue because I never watched the I never watched Formula One. So for that, it was exciting for me and I never looked into it. But now that you actually do watch every race, you start to pick out those little things and you start to notice them, um, which, again, is good and bad. It grows the sport. Um, but if you're a diehard F1 fan, then you'll definitely start to pick out and notice those things. Yeah. And I think they're almost I, I could be wrong, but I don't feel like they reached as hard in the earlier seasons, I feel like they're almost like manipulating more now because I think some people started to notice in the third season that they started to do that. And then they did it again this season. So do you think that this series is still good for formula one? Because I don't know, I can make it out to be a little bit more dramatic than it actually is, but at the same time, it's bringing in fans. Yeah, no, that's a good point. Um, personally, I think it's still great for the game. Um, I think worldwide, it brings a lot of viewerships, um, especially in North America. You look at the numbers, it's, it's outstanding. Um, I think you posted about a little while ago about how the Grand Prix had bigger numbers than um, the Raptors finals, was it? Or it, it wasn't the Raptors finals. It just, or no, I don't think it was the Raptors finals, but just a regular Grand Prix had more viewers right. than the Raptors, a Raptors home game. Right. Uh, so, yeah. yeah. Just, which I mean, is still like, yeah, it's I don't amazing. think formula one was a thing in Canada. Well, of course it was a thing, but not a big thing, like for quite a while. And the numbers have shot up over a hundred percent, especially in young viewers. Yeah. So, I've, I've never heard anyone talk about formula one until after chapter survived, to be honest. Um, it's definitely growing. I think it's good. It's like any reality TV show, right? They're going to they're gonna um, express things in a different way and manipulate people to think that there's more drama or there's more um, situations happening that really aren't. And again, it's a TV show. It's a reality TV show. Um, it's not all truth. And you have to take everything with a grain of salt. And if it gets people into watching it, which I think it is, which it is, um then yeah i think it's still good for the game absolutely that is ultimately the end goal is to bring more fans to the sport um but yeah we got to wrap this up i got one last question for you a fun little question um has christian horner surpassed daniel ricardo as the biggest star in drive to survive (laughs) yes i think so (laughs) (laughs) he got so much airtime in that season man he spoke, yeah, he, I know. Need Max. He spoke for Max. Yeah, he's he's Sergio, Max, and himself in the season. Sergio's <laughs> in there for about four minutes, but uh, yeah, you know, gotta do what you gotta do to get the numbers up. Yep, tell him uh, what Checo was in Mexican. Thank you, Christian, for that. 
exactly. yeah what a guy all right well uh that's all the time we got thanks so much uh andrew for coming on the podcast uh and before you go who's winning in bahrain carlos Sainz. carlos Sainz. i like i like it all right man yeah, <laughs> thanks for coming on What a great chat with Andrew Shackleton. Always like catching up with uh, a good friend of mine. Uh, he, I, like I said at the beginning, he was a big reason I got into Formula One. He told me to watch Drive to Survive for the first time. Uh, as much as I've absolutely become addicted with this sport, I've and I've learned a lot. I'm still relatively new. I've I've been following this sport for only one season. I feel like I've learned a lot, but there's still so much left to be learned. And I hope that I can learn alongside you guys uh, with this podcast. Uh, so yeah, special thanks to Andrew. I'm your host, Brad Kramer. I'll be back with episode two after lights out in Bahrain for a race review and a chat before we head to Jeddah for the Saudi Arabian Grand Prix. This has been the Max Verstappen episode of Break Bias. Goodbye.